Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, March 25th, 2022. Coming up this hour. President Biden pushes for Russia to be removed from the G20. Volodymyr Zelensky scolds NATO for not deploying a no-fly zone over Ukraine. And world leaders continue their summit on the war. We're in Brussels and Poland with the very latest. Reaction to New York Mayor Adams exempting athletes and performers from vaccine mandates. Plus, a House committee investigates the wife of Justice Clarence Thomas. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Mike Krzyzewski's coaching career not over yet. Duke advances in the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga and Arizona lost. St. Peter's plays tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving a little bit lower to close out the week. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Futures fluctuating between gains and losses this morning. Right now, S&P futures are down four points. Dow futures down eight. NASDAQ futures down 29 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 830 seconds. The yield 2.34%. Yield on the two-year. 2.13%. 2.13%. NYMEX crude is down 2.6%, down $2.87 at $109.47 a barrel. And COMEX gold right now is down 3 tenths percent or $5.90, an ounce. John? Nathan will have more in the markets in a minute. But first, the latest on the war and President Biden's trip overseas. The president has told NATO he wants Russia out of the G20. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter begins our global team coverage. President Biden answered the direct question of whether Russia should be removed. My answer is yes. That depends on the G20. Um, I, that, that was raised today. And uh, I raised the possibility if that can't be done, if Indonesia and others do not agree. Then Ukraine should be invited there to witness the proceedings. Biden also said if Russia uses either chemical or nuclear weapons, the response should be in direct retaliation and says that military supplies are going into Ukraine on a continuing basis. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ed, thanks. It is another busy day for President Biden. He's just uh, wrapped up meetings with European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. Let's go live to London and get the very latest with Bloomberg's Max Ramsey. Good morning, Max. Morning to you, Nathan and John. Yes, we're actually expecting to hear from President Biden alongside the head of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, any moment now. They'll address this new supply deal that was just announced in the past 30 minutes or so. We'll see America supplying EU nations with at least 15 billion cubic meters of LNG by the end of 2022. Remember, up to now, Russia has been the biggest supplier of natural gas to Europe. So this, an important step in the EU efforts to shift their energy policy 
policy away from Moscow. Live in London, Max Ramsey, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Max. The next and final stop for President Biden's Europe trip, Poland. That's where he plans to meet local officials. And Bloomberg's Aggie Cantrell continues our global team coverage from the humanitarian aid center near the border of Ukraine. There are going to be two focuses to his meetings here today. Firstly, there's the humanitarian angle. He's going to be talking about the humanitarian crisis, which Poland has seen the tangible effects of, having accepted two million of the refugees coming over the border from Ukraine. And then there's also the other side, the security side. He's expected to meet with the 82nd Airborne here in Jeshov, and there's going to be talk about this effort to bolster the eastern flank of NATO Bloomberg's Aggie Cantrell says Poland is taking in the bulk of refugees from Ukraine. It's winning praise for the move, but it's also causing political and economic stress. In the meantime, John, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is scolding NATO leaders for not responding to his request for a no-fly zone. During his late-night address to the European Council summit in Brussels, the Ukrainian president asked for more weapons and tighter sanctions on Russia. What do we need for this? Ukraine is very specific in answering this question. First, to intensify sanctions against Russian aggression on a weekly basis until it stops and restores peace for us. Second, to take part in the creation of a new system of security guarantees for Ukraine, for our region, real guarantees. President Zelensky also called out Hungary in his remarks, asking Prime Minister Viktor Orban to shun Russia and fully support Ukraine. Meantime, there's more concern about China showing support for Russia. Bloomberg News has learned EU officials suspect Beijing may supply semiconductors and other tech hardware to Moscow. It would be part of an effort to soften the impact of sanctions. Russia and China have denied any requests for aid were made or accepted. And now some other news we're following this morning keeps us in China, John. The mystery is deepening over that commercial plane crash from Monday. All 132 people on the China Eastern Airlines Boeing 737 are presumed dead. Bloomberg's Stephen Engel has the latest. Well, the latest is that authorities have indicated they have found potentially a piece of the aircraft about 10 kilometers away from the main wreckage site, about six miles away. And that potentially indicates that something came off the aircraft mid-flight. And the questions now are, if that piece was from the airplane, did that cause the plane to go into that nosedive and crash? Bloomberg's Stephen Engel reports the flight went down without an emergency radio call from pilots. Yeah, let's take a hard turn now to the economy of the markets. Ten-year Treasury yields this morning coming in at 2.34. And uh, let's head to Europe right now. Breaking news. Uh, President Biden delivering his statement with the EU Commission president. together to reduce Europe's dependence on Russian energy. Putin has issued Russia's energy resources to coerce and manipulate its neighbors. That's how he's used it. He's used the profits to drive his war machine. That's why earlier this month I announced the United States would ban all imports of Russian energy to make it clear that American people would not be part of subsidizing Putin's brutal, unjustified war against the people of Ukraine. At the time, I noted that we were able to take this step when others could not because the United States is a net exporter of energy with a strong domestic industry. And the United States welcomed the European Union's powerful statement earlier this month committing to rapidly reduce its dependence on Russian gas. Today, we've agreed on a joint game plan toward that goal, while accelerating our progress toward a secure, clean energy future. This initiative focuses on two core issues. One, helping Europe reduce its dependency on Russian gas as quickly as possible. 
Secondly, reducing Europe's demand for gas overall. To address the and trustworthy data flows between the EU and U.S., safeguarding privacy and civil liberties. And I really want to thank Commissioner Reinders and Secretary Raimondo for their tireless efforts over the past month to finish a balanced and effective solution. This is another step in our strengthening our partnership. We managed to balance security and the right to privacy and data protection. Mr. President, dear Joe, Putin is trying to turn back the clock to another era, an era of brutal use of force, of power politics, of spheres of influence and internal repression. I am confident he will fail. We are working together to forge a peaceful, prosperous and sustainable future. And I know we will succeed. Thank you very much. The European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen there speaking alongside President Biden, who uh, addressed the group earlier uh, this meeting, uh, earlier in Brussels there, the announcement with both of them on an agreement to wean Europe off its dependence on Russian energy. And let's take a deeper dive into this agreement and the latest developments. We're joined, uh, along with my co-anchor, Nathan Hager, with uh, Greg Valliere, the chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investment. Greg, uh, another display of a united front. Your take this morning. Well, you're absolutely right. I think the unity is really quite impressive. Uh, as many people have commented, and I would agree, I don't think Vladimir Putin expected this kind of unity. So it's a good sign. But when it comes to all the energy stuff, uh, the devil will be in the details. A lot to be worked out in terms of infrastructure to accept uh, natural gas in Western Europe. Yeah, I'm no logistics expert, but uh, I can tell you that uh, Germany, for instance, doesn't have an LNG uh, terminal, at least at the moment. Exactly right. And, you know, maybe in a couple of years they will, but I don't think it's going to be imminent. And that's, that's a problem. Uh, there's other issues as well, including uh, huge U.S. shipments to Asia. Will they have to, to slow? Will that drive uh, China to burn more coal? Uh, in many respects, despite what Joe Biden said a few minutes ago, this is not a good story for the environmental movement. It relies even more on fossil fuels. Thank Greg. It's Nathan Hager. And I have to think that uh, this announcement with the details still needing to be worked out it can only add to the volatility we've seen in the energy markets. What do you think is going to happen with the price of natural gas, the price of oil with this going forward? Well, it's, it should keep the price pretty elevated, Nathan. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to go a lot higher, but energy continues to be a, a big uncertainty. You know, I'd, I'd probably walk back and look at the big picture after what we've just heard and conclude that there is this remarkable unity that the Russians, I think, are facing a depression with a capital D over the next few months. Yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit about that, because uh, in the lead up, even before the invasion, there were a lot of questions about whether Germany in particular would be on board with uh, tightening the kinds of energy sanctions uh, that Ukraine in particular has been looking for. Do you get the sense now after these emergency summits in Brussels that we are seeing more unity between the U.S., NATO and Europe uh, when it comes to Russia? 
Yeah, I do. I, I think that uh, the Germans still have to be persuaded on a lot of the LNG uh, activity, as we just discussed. But I would say that most all of Europe is on board. There are a lot of countries that aren't. India isn't. Uh, China probably isn't. Uh, to me, the key country in the next few weeks is going to be Turkey, of all places. I, I think the Turkish prime minister could be an important intermediary. So you're getting an awful lot of countries to, trying to help, trying to bring this to a close. Uh, Greg, uh, Ursula von der Leyen saying at the, the end of her address there that the sanctions are draining Putin's resources. Does that mean uh, a dangerous man is backed into a corner and becomes more dangerous? Well, that's the fear, isn't it? I mean, you've got the oligarchs are, are furious with him. Uh, the generals, who have lost five of their colleagues who have been killed on the battlefield, are, I think, increasingly skeptical of Putin. And I think ordinary Russians who see their standard of living declining are also uh, beginning to turn against him as the ruble is worth less than a penny, his interest rates exceed 20%. It, it's a very dire economic situation. And then to compound everything, you see this totally inept performance on the battlefield by Russian troops facing uh, Ukrainian troops who are willing to die for their country. I don't think a lot of Russian troops are willing to die for Vladimir Putin. So it's a pretty grim scenario right now for him, thankfully. Yeah, and i got to say, I was just struck by a headline that crossed the Bloomberg terminal moments ago from Fr uh, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov uh, speaking this morning, saying the West wants to destroy Russia's economy and Russia itself. What does that say about where Russia could be taking this war, the idea that Vladimir Putin might be getting backed into a corner at this point? He could be. You can't, you can't rule it out. Uh, I think that it, despite... The fact that a lot of Ukrainians are unwilling to make big concessions, considering all the sacrifices they've made. But I do think there's got to be a renewed focus on negotiations uh, of trying to give Putin the one thing he needs, and that's an off-ramp, uh, an excuse to, for him to declare somewhat of a victory. That victory would be Ukraine's reluctance to join NATO anytime soon. I think Putin would hail that as a big accomplishment. And he might get to keep some of the eastern provinces. He might get to keep Crimea, things like that. But without an off-ramp from Putin, I, I agree with you. I think this is a very unnerving situation where he becomes even more unpredictable. We're not going to forget the human suffering in Ukraine by any means, but Greg, being in Washington, I, I have to ask you this question. How does this play with the midterm elections approaching? Well, first and foremost, I think this has been remarkable to see both parties pretty much unified. On the extremes, there are some dissenters, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson, people like that. But I would say, in general, you have tremendous support for confronting uh, Russia. That's a good story for Biden. But the recent polls that I've seen over the last week or so don't show any increase in Biden's job approval rating. And he still has other big problems, inflation, urban crime, illegal immigration. So I would have to say, you know, despite this unity with Biden and NATO, the Democrats are clear underdogs to keep the House. Greg, a pleasure. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. Greg Valliere, the chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investment, with us this morning. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, Dow futures right now 14 points lower. little change right now. Same with the S&P 500, down just three. The Nasdaq futures are 24 points lower. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. 
The uh, Bloomberg weather from Rob Carroll will become a partly sunny, mild today, high 60 to 65. And tomorrow, Saturday, any morning sun giving way to clouds, maybe a shower, the high temperature 55 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Nathan Hager. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. President Biden continues his trip in Europe this morning. He has met with European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. Moments ago, he announced an agreement to boost the supply of liquefied natural gas to European countries. These steps will increase energy security, economic security, and national security. And we're going to stand up a joint task force implement these changes and drive progress that will be co-chaired by representatives from the White House and the president of the European Union's team. President Biden says the agreement aims to help Europe wean itself from Russian fuel. Moscow has been the main focus of the summit in Europe. Yesterday, President Biden called for Russia to be removed from the G20. He also warned Vladimir Putin against using biological, chemical, or nuclear weapons in Ukraine. Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo has more from Brussels. The symbolic nature of the strip was huge, and yesterday we did get this show of unity. The president of the United States summarized it very well. He said when Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, he was looking to create chaos and disarray in Europe. The reality is, at this point, we're more united than we've ever been, and that was echoed by the secretary general of uh, NATO, who said, at this point, we're the strongest military alliance in the world. If we stay together, if we stick together, we are going to be safe. Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo reports Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is asking NATO for more weapons and tighter sanctions on Russia. In the meantime, John, there's more concern about China showing support for Russia. Bloomberg News has learned EU officials suspect Beijing may supply semiconductors and other tech hardware to Moscow. It would be part of an effort to soften the impact of sanctions. Russia and China have denied any requests for aid were made or accepted. And another story we're following this morning, Nathan, the mystery deepening over the crash of that China Eastern Airlines Boeing 737. At least one piece of the plane appears to have broken loose Well before impact, it was found about six miles away from the main wreckage area. That is raising questions about the condition of the plane when it began a steep nosedive from nearly 30,000 feet. All 132 people on board are presumed dead. All right, let's check the markets ahead of the Friday morning open. The S&P futures right now are down four points. Dow futures down 24. Uh, NASDAQ futures are lower by 23 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 5.30 seconds. The yield 2.35%. Yield on the two-year, 2.14. NYMEX crude is down 2.4% or $2.73 at $109.61 a barrel. And COMEX gold is down two-tenths percent or $4.40 at 1963.30 an ounce. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's 5.33 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. New York City unions are blasting Mayor Eric Adams after he exempted athletes and performers, including Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving from the city's vaccine mandate. This after about 1,400 city workers were fired last month for failing to comply with the mandate. Harry Nespoli, head of the Municipal Labor Committee, said the city should offer a way for fired workers to get their jobs back. Don't shut the door on them. Not when they had to come to work. When everybody was running out to the Hamptons and everybody was running upstate New York. And the only people here were city workers. Harry Nespoli, head of the Municipal Labor Committee. However, Mayor Adams says his move will help struggling performers as well as those vendors and smaller businesses that rely on the city's entertainment economy. We created an unfair disadvantage to New York-based performers. I'm correcting that unfair disadvantage, and I'm doing it at the appropriate time when our numbers are low. Mayor Eric Adams. It's an extraordinary development in the ongoing investigation into the January 6th rioting last year on Capitol Hill. A House committee is now examining dozens of text messages sent to President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. According to several reports, Virginia Thomas, wife of Justice Clarence Thomas, texted Meadows urging him to keep challenging the election results. North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un told state media that he's getting ready for a confrontation with the United States. The report came after North Korea launched its largest intercontinental ballistic missile yesterday, drawing international condemnation. Retired General Robert Abrams, former commander of U.S. forces in Korea, is calling for tougher sanctions on North Korea. The sanctions that North Korea is under today pale in comparison to what the international community has done in very short order to Russia. So we should look very hard at that. Retired General Abrams spoke to ABC. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. It's now 5.36 on Wall Street. It's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. And good morning, John Stashow. Good morning, John. The upsets continue in the NCAA tournament as two one-seeds went down. Arkansas had never beaten a one-seed in the NCAA. The Razorbacks beat Gonzaga 74-68. And then Arizona ousted by Houston 72-64. Two two-seeds did win. Villanova 63-55 over Michigan. And Duke moves on. Trailed at the half. But against Texas Tech, the nation's top defensive team, Duke scored 49 points. And won 78-73. So Duke is going to is Duke going to go to the Final Four in Mike Krzyzewski's final season? We'll find out tomorrow against Arkansas. Villanova will play Houston. Four more Sweet 16 games tonight, including Cinderella St. Peter's taking on Purdue in Philadelphia. The Peacocks have been led in the postseason by Doug Edert. He says they have nothing to lose tonight. No pressure at all. Honestly, there's no pressure at all. Um, I think that uh, there's there's nothing to, to be scared of. There's nothing really that's different now. We've been playing basketball this whole season. We've been uh, we had our ups and downs, and we're just going to look forward to keep executing the game plan and just keep doing what we've been doing. Also in Philly, UCLA plays North Carolina, a battle of college basketball traditional powers. In Chicago, it's Kansas against Providence, and two double-digit seeds meet. Miami plays Iowa State. NIT has its Final Four next week at the Garden, where the NIT, except for last year, has concluded every year since the tournament began in 1938. Now we're the NIT Final Four. The next two seasons will not take place in New York. It's not known where it will be. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. John? 
All right, John, thanks very much. It is 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. After that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Sources tell Bloomberg Blackstone's exploring a large office expansion in Manhattan, seeking space at a time when many companies are embracing hybrid schedules. The New York-based private equity firm is hunting for about 1.5 million square feet of space as it considers relocating from its Park Avenue headquarters. Connecticut residents can expect some relief at the gas pump. Governor Ned Lamont Thursday signed a bipartisan bill to temporarily lift the state's gasoline tax. House and Senate lawmakers Wednesday voted unanimously in favor of suspending the state's 25 cents a gallon excise tax on gasoline starting April 1st. New Jersey's Cannabis Board took its first formal action on recreational marijuana applications, approving 68 conditional licenses to cultivate, manufacture, or run a testing lab. In all, 371 more applications are being evaluated. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, thanks, Ed. It is 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in now with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about how as more people return to gym workouts, Wall Street is pouring millions into companies that own gyms. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Southwest will allow customers to transfer the value of the canceled ticket to someone else. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WFLA in Orlando, I'm reporting that Olive Garden's owner is looking at raising menu prices again to cover its rising costs. I'm Caroline Hipcom, Bloomberg DAB, Digital Radio in London, where we're reporting on a slump in UK retail sales and soft consumer confidence as the cost of living crunch hits consumers. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting Great Lakes Brewing has hired Boulevard Brewing Brewmaster as its new COO. And those are some of these stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Questions about the U.S. commitment to Asia flourished even before Russia's shocking invasion of Ukraine. With Europe now demanding more attention, those doubts will only grow. That makes it crucial for U.S. President Joe Biden to address the issue Indo-Pacific nations care about the most, economic engagement. Unfortunately, the administration's vague Indo-Pacific economic framework won't excite countries that want more access to U.S. markets. In effect, it pushes them to sign on to American priorities without offering much in return. There is a better alternative. The U.S. instead should seek to join the 11-member Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership, or CPTPP. That would demonstrate the commitment to economic engagement that countries in the region really want to see. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com. Com slash opinion or OPIN go on the Bloomberg terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Yeah, Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time, and terminal customers can read more at IPIN Go. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg weather for today from meteorologist Rob Carroll and becoming partly sunny. Uh, Going to be a mild day, the high temperature 60 to 65. Tomorrow morning, sun giving way to clouds, maybe a shower. The high temperature in the mid-50s. 
markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Stocks are struggling for traction this morning as investors evaluate the economic risks from Federal Reserve policy tightening and Russia's war in Ukraine. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are little changed. Dow futures up two points. NASDAQ futures lower by four. The DAX in Germany is up two-tenths percent. The CAC in Paris up one-tenth of one percent. The 10-year Treasury is up six-thirty seconds. The yield, 2.35 percent. Yield on the two-year, 2.15 percent. NYMEX crude down 2%, down $2.19 at $110.18 a barrel. COMEX gold down a quarter percent or $4.80 at $19.62.90 an ounce. The euro is at 1.1012 against the dollar. British pound 1.3168. The yen is at 121.56. And Bitcoin right now is up six-tenths percent, right, uh, trading right around $44,000. At 10 a.m. Wall Street time, we get February pending home sales and the University of Michigan sentiment index. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. And now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. President Biden announced the United States and European Union have a new partnership to reduce the continent's reliance on on Russian energy, start of a years-long initiative to further isolate Moscow after its invasion of Ukraine. The president speaking in Poland says as part of the plan, the U.S. and other nations will increase liquefied natural gas exports to Europe. Jersey City's St. Peter's Peacocks look to keep their surprise run in the NCAA tournament and when they are going to play Purdue tonight. The Peacocks are the third 15th seed to make the Sweet 16 and are trying to become the first to get to the Elite Eight. In the NHL, the Islanders won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. All right, Michael, thank you. 549 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. As you said, uh, European leaders and President Biden wrapping up meetings in Brussels focused almost entirely on Russia's war in Ukraine. And we did hear earlier this hour from President Biden and the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen announcing a deal to help wean Europe off Russian energy. Uh, let's get more now, live from Brussels, and that's where we find our correspondent, Maria Tadeo. Maria, good morning to you. Uh, another uh, show of unity, just how important. Well, it is. And, you know, I think you have to separate always the symbolic nature of a lot of these meetings with the real detail. When it comes to the symbolic uh, nature of this, we did see a show of unity. We heard from the President of the United States, but also uh, NATO and all the European countries say we are aligned on this. And this is a barbaric war that uh, Putin has instigated. But the reality is he's getting the opposite of what he wanted. We're more united than we've ever been. And that was echoed pretty much by everyone, the Secretary. General of NATO, but also the French president repeating uh, this line that everyone is now on their feet to try to counter this uh, terrible war and, and try to put Vladimir Putin in the corner. The big question, however, is how is he going to respond to this, especially because, as you see, Russia is facing huge economic isolation. It's been essentially shut off from normal financial markets. And now today we had a new energy deal between the United States and the European Union about LNG being shipped over to Europe. So there is a clear commitment now from the European Union to move away to from Russia in the energy sector. And this is a big moneymaker. Yeah, this also raises some logistical questions, if I'm not mistaken correctly. But uh, 
Germany doesn't even have any LNG import facilities, does it? Yeah, and, and you know, uh, the, the reality is when you look at LNG facilities, Germany, uh, you know, it doesn't have the infrastructure off. It's it's very unclear how they can get this going very quickly. Uh, and you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's unclear. You know, how can they do this very quickly? Well, you know, they they'll tell you we we want to accelerate this transition. In fact, today there was a headline that says Germany uh, aims for 2024 cut of dependency from Russia. But the government is going to have to get very creative about the infrastructure, and it's going to have to get very creative about the way it does this thing in uh, the months ahead of next winter. Remember, the biggest preoccupation for the EU is not the two to three winters down the line, but it really is a winter season that's coming up in a few months. And remember, when you look about storage facilities, this is really a story that begins now. I know it seems strange to talk about the winter when we're in spring and, you know, the weather is completely different, but the reality is you know very well that you plan a year ahead. So this conversation really has to begin now because the storage and some of the purchases will have to get done immediately. Does, uh, is Vladimir Zelensky getting everything he wants from NATO at this point? Well, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, Volodymyr Zelensky has spoken, uh, clearly about the need for airplanes and the need to shut off the sky and the need to get, uh, you know, additional help to help protect his country. It's been a month of war so far. He's had a major reality check that NATO's not going to come and help the country, that NATO's not going to fight this. Yesterday, the way NATO tried to explain this was by saying, uh, you know, we're, we want to help as much as we can, but we are not belligerents here. We were not going to fight. So for them, it really is about keeping a flow of weapons from the West into the country. And this is why this meeting today between President Biden, who's on his way now to Poland, by the way, with the Polish president, uh, Mr. Duda will be so important because Poland is a distribution hub for big weapons into Ukraine. And the President Biden, as you say, headed to, to Poland. He'll uh, tout the, uh, the humanitarian effort there with the refugees. Also uh, going to meet with uh, members of the 82nd Airborne. Maria Tadeo, live from Brussels this morning. Thanks very much. We appreciate it. Nathan. All right, John. Thanks. It's 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning. Here's Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The U.S. Council for International Business reiterated its concerns about new regulations on the foreign tax credit and again urged the Treasury to delay implementing them. Amazon is facing a tougher fight if it hopes to keep its warehouses non-union. The AFL-CIO is joining the Teamsters' efforts to unionize the facilities. An environmental group told a federal court that the Environmental Protection Agency's failure to approve or reject revised water quality standards in Montana is a violation of federal law. Bloomberg. Law, everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Now, another legal story we're watching brings us to the issue of redistricting. A divided Supreme Court gave a victory to the Republican-controlled Wisconsin legislature, tossing out a state ruling that adopted voting maps crafted by the Democratic governor. For more on the case, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to Columbia Law Professor Richard Brifault. The U.S. Supreme Court left in place the governor's congressional maps but threw out the governor's legislative maps. Right. What the U.S. Supreme Court said was that 
the governor's decision, which the state Supreme Court accepted, that the Voting Rights Act required an additional black majority district in the Milwaukee area, and that doing that wouldn't violate the 14th Amendment. The U.S. Supreme Court said the governor and the state Supreme Court, neither of them did enough to show that that was correct. They failed to show that the Voting Rights Act required this, and therefore they failed to show that it didn't violate the 14th Amendment, and therefore they reversed the decision to pick the Assembly and the Senate maps and sent it back to the state Supreme Court for further analysis, which could include keeping the governor's maps if there was additional evidence that showed that there was a strong Voting Rights Act requirement for the additional district. Is that what Supreme Court precedents call for? Because in dissent, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, joined by Justice Elena Kagan, called the decision unprecedented and extraordinary. Yes, it's unprecedented and extraordinary in several ways. For one, normally the burden is on the challenger to prove that race was the predominant motivating factor, whereas here the burden seems to be being put on the governor or state Supreme Court. So one thing is that it totally shifted the burden. Normally a map gets adopted and then somebody challenges the map. The challenger says this violates the Equal Protection Clause, and then the plaintiff has to make that case by showing that it was predominantly motivated by race. And then the state has to come back and defend that there was a strong basis and evidence for a Voting Rights Act violation. They've never had a case before where a similar challenge was brought to a map adopted by a state Supreme Court, as opposed to one adopted by a legislature. And beyond that, There's a sense that the interplay between the Voting Rights Act and the 14th Amendment is difficult. And indeed, the Supreme Court about a month ago agreed to stay a map adopted by a court in Alabama, but held it over for full argument because of the murkiness of the relationship between the Voting Rights Act and the 14th Amendment. But here, the Supreme Court actually made a ruling on the merits about the burden being on the state to show that there was not an alternative means of doing it. I don't think they'd ever ruled that before, and here they're doing it in a so-called shadow docket case without oral argument, without full briefing, and really pretty close to the time where these maps have to be finalized. That's Columbia Law Professor Richard Brafault speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Bloomberg Radio or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. Right now, S&P futures are up two points. Dow futures up 25. Nasdaq futures a little changed at the moment. Ten-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds. The yield 2.36%. Yield on the two-year 2.16%. NYMEX crude is down 1.6% or $1.80 at $110.56 a barrel. And the euro right now 1.1007 against the dollar. Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.